You're listening to the Atlanta VoiceOver Studio and ProVoiceOverTraining.com podcast. Hey, I'm Mike Stout. And I'm Heidi Rue. We're both full-time voice talent and owners of Atlanta VoiceOver Studio and ProVoiceOverTraining.com. AVS is a recording and training studio in Atlanta with virtual options available to join. And ProVoiceOverTraining.com offers on-demand video resources to better your voiceover career. Our purpose in creating both of these is to give you the resources you need to create the career you want. And that's exactly why this podcast exists as well. Each month, we bring on an expert to share their industry knowledge, insight, and helpful tips. Visit AtlantaVoiceOverStudio.com and ProVoiceOverTraining.com for more great resources. your authentic self. Have you ever heard that and wondered, um, how do I do that? Or I thought I was being my authentic self. Well, I am so excited to have Matt and Brooke Cornwell here today because that's exactly what we're going to be talking about. Besides being accomplished actors with credits from Iron Man 3, Miss Peregrine's Home for Peculiar Children, Walking Dead, Righteous Gemstones, The Menu, Anchorman 2, and Homeland, just to name a few, Matt and Brooke Cornwell teach the Sam Christensen process, and this is a workshop that helps you uncover your authentic self. Not only are they very accomplished on-camera actors, they lead the Sam Christensen workshop, but they also own Get Taped, which is a taping service in Atlanta for actors, and we share the space with them at Atlanta VoiceOver Studio. So they are some dear friends of ours. We respect and admire them so much, and I'm telling you, their wisdom being in this industry for so long is invaluable. Let's dive in and figure out how do we become our authentic self. Guys, Matthew and Brooke. This is going to take longer than a half an hour. Probably. Probably. Okay, so seriously. You both are fine actors. Why don't you tell everybody how you got started on this acting journey? I came out of the womb performing. Perfect. Mm -hmm. Perfect. Oh, that, that's it. Uh, that, was, that was a great, I mean, uh, succinct way of saying it. And obviously, it. she started sooner than you. Yes, sure. clearly. I did. Um, the, the first role I ever did was in middle school. It was in sixth grade. I played a cop in a one-act Thanksgiving play. and But I didn't really revisit the, the dream, so to speak, until junior year of high school is when I started doing some sketches for, um, you know, in school. And then I did plays in senior year. Then I became an engineer in college and in grad school, like you do. And <laughs> after getting my master's, uh, which was really just a way to delay life decisions, I didn't really have that much interest in getting higher education. Um, I decided that uh, I'd start pursuing acting a little bit, and eventually the balance switched, and I gave up engineering and pursued acting full time. That's wonderful. yeah. So it was. Slow I went for me. to the University of Florida. Go Gators. Go Gator. Um, and got my degree in performing arts, BFA in performing arts, and went to New York and had, uh, you know, it's hard living there, really hard living there, and ended up um, giving up acting. Gave it as up. As one does. As one does, <laughs> exactly. Uh, and it was a decision that was right for me at the time. I didn't think I'd pick it back up. And then those who do can't teach. Wait. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Those who can't do teach, <laughs> I can't teach, I guess. No, I uh, taught uh, at a private school 
in my hometown. And then I was a, it's a really long story, but long story short, uh, there was a play that I wanted to do that if I could just do this role, I would die a happy woman. And I would come out of retirement for that. And of course, it was auditioning in my area. And I really struggled with whether I should do it or not. And, you know, because rejection. And I ended up booking the role. And my students came to see it. And they said, what are you doing here? Brooke, because I never had them call me Miss Taylor. And um, then I moved to Atlanta. And I've been here since 20, no, 2005. Um, um, well, one thing I do want to just clarify. So Matt, was the Thanksgiving play, was that very PC back in the day? So it was not Pilgrims and Indians with a cop, right? With or was it what with the cop? And I don't remember. I, I still actually uh, keep in contact with that teacher who, who cast me in my first role and was very prescient by c casting me as a police officer because I continued to play those mm -hmm. throughout my entire career. But um, I don't remember the content of it that much. I think it was more of a contemporary. It wasn't, yeah, Pilgrims and Indians, I don't think. That would have been really weird to have yeah. an anachronistic <laughs> like, cop. Say, hey, guys, you can't talk like this anymore. Yeah. What? <laughs> Blowing a whistle. What's yeah. a whistle? Yeah, it was a constable, I guess, now. Oh, so. constable. Oh, my constable goodness. Constable Cornwell. Uh, yes. Well, I know that throughout your acting career, both of you guys have taught and have taken classes and workshops. And years ago, you both did the Sam Christensen image workshop. How, what motivated you guys to even sign up for it back in the day? Brooke got a great story for I this. I do have a great story. So um, I was struggling with my look. I had the Jennifer Aniston hair, very, you know, just long, straight. And I just really needed some identity. And I thought that the Sam Christensen image process was going to tell me what kind of clothes I should wear, how to wear my hair. Because <laughs> I hear funny girls have yeah. curly hair. So right. I'm like, I was wearing it straight. What do I do? And it was not that. But a friend of hers yes. um, just sort of recommended, and it was perfect timing when you were looking for some sort of workshop that was not about acting, but about image mm -hmm. and so right and i got then. way more because i i found the identity with of how people perceive me and how that matches my my perception of myself and so i was able to have my insides match my outsides because i made the decision to cut my hair mm. um give myself a edgier look which is more my style but it also um was lined up with the perception that i got from my my classmates, the world, if you will, of how I'm perceived and therefore just aligning myself with who I truly am and how I can uh, make money in this world, yeah. in this world of acting. I, I made those image decisions myself, um, mm. like how to look, how to wear my hair, what clothes to wear. But backing up, uh, mm. because of that recommendation, she jumped in sight unseen to the workshop and so I was skeptical uh, of this rash decision. And so when Sam and his business partner, Ken, came for her workshop, they did a free preview uh, the Wednesday before her workshop. So I was like, I'm going to go to this free preview to see what my wife has just signed up for. And I was sold uh, on, uh, on Sam and his process. So when they came back a month later, that's why I decided to take the workshop a month later. And this is 2011. Yep. 
Wow. And did it have a similar impact on you, Matt? From you yeah. realize you were always meant to be a cop? And then that's <laughs> well, <laughs> it, it, constable. it is. Constable. Constable, yeah, sorry. Constable Cornwell. <laughs> it is funny that uh, one of the things that it gives clarity to is if, if you're coming to the workshop partway into your career where you have a resume, you have a lot of experiences, it gives a lot of insight and a lot of clarity to why you are seen a certain way, why your agent and casting directors want to continue to see you a certain way. And actors can get hung up on the occupation. Like, why am I always being called in for blank? Uh, whether it's cop, nurse, lawyer, especially at the beginning stages of your career when most of the roles you audition for are usually identified as an occupation and they don't have first names. So you're going out for cop free and, and desk nurse, things like that. And it gives you clarity that, oh, it's not that I'm just seen as this occupation, but what are the human, very human core behaviors behind those occupations? The things that casting needs to see in you inherently, the moment you show up on screen that makes them believe you could be a cop, could be a nurse, could be a lawyer. And realizing like, oh, I have a combination of a certain, uh, of certain behaviors that are common, of course, across all humanity, but they're brighter in me such that when you combine them, I tend to play nondescript authority figures. That's another way of saying cop, right? I'm, I'm just a nondescript authority figure. And by nondescript, I, not that I'm boring, just that th there's nothing inherently unique in the breakdown or what they're looking for. They just need someone who believably is a cop. Uh, and then it also means that, especially as I age, I'll be auditioning for lawyers and judges and other you know, coaches, stuff like that. Um, so it just gave me a lot of clarity of, oh, that's why. It's not that I'm just screaming cop when I show up on screen. It's more that I scream uh, calm, authoritative, nonchalant, uh, confident, these types of things that then when you ask yourself, would he play a good cop? You go, oh, yes, of course. I totally believe him in that. So for me, it was a slow burn after the workshop to kind of put together all the pieces of uh, everything that had preceded me in terms of my career. And then it gave me a lot more clarity on where I was going with my career. And so just to give you a visual listeners, uh, when Matt was processing through all that, it was kind of like that scene in The Hangover when Zach Galifianakis has all those angles and numbers just going across his head. <laughs> yes. That was Matt crunching everything. Yeah. And then he came to that realization. Yeah. It was a powerful moment, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. yeah. Or like the Will, room Fer is vibrating. Or like Will Ferrell in old school when he blacks out while doing the uh, – <laughs> The debate challenge with, with what's his name? Carver, I think was the last name. Yeah. Where am I? Where am I? What happened? Uh, I'd like to get to the voiceover aspect and how it, it uh, affects voiceover. We can mm -hmm. talk about that in a second. But from the students who've already taken the workshop or were thinking about it, what are the reasons that they've given you for taking the Sam Christensen workshop? Well, there's people who think they're going to learn how to... <laughs> shape their hair and and what clothes to wear some people uh, on the one extreme end it's pure recommendation almost like brooke and they don't know why they they will admit to us on day one or sometimes not until day four because it is a four-day workshop that i just i didn't know what what to expect and sometimes they're like i'm glad i went in blind um and if they have a strong recommendation from someone they trust, that can usually be enough for them to to take that plunge. Um, I would also say that there's a lot of confusion with actors of their 
trajectory of their acting journey where they see themselves in one lane, uh, leading woman, leading man, ingenue, all of these things where everything about their personality screams something a little bit different. And they challenge themselves uh, so hard to conform to what they think the lead should be or the leading man should be. And they're missing every like nugget of behavior that is just shining brightly in them. And they're trying to dull it down. And they don't understand why they're not getting cast in any role. And there's a, a sensation of of wanting to be rich and famous, but then there's also this, well, if I can't book anything, then I won't get to my goals. So there's that, let me meet in, um, let me go to the Sam Christian, Sam Christensen workshop and attempt to be open and see how I'm perceived. Because there is something about knowing how you are castable instead of going a journey that may take a lot longer to get to because you're fighting everything in your being before getting to. Mm-hmm. I'd also say that uh, when people come to our free preview, which we're committed to, to doing those several times throughout the year, because it's a very hard process to describe. Yeah. And um, of course, uh, actors, voiceover talent, and non-artists who come to those previews, the thing they're most interested in, because they know they're going to be paying money for this four-day process, is what is what are the tangible results? So we do share those types of things in our preview for actors. It's, it's things like headshots and understanding all of your marketing materials, how to present yourself maybe in a different way on social media that's more coherent. So there are these very tangible ways we can talk about the results, and, and sometimes that is intriguing. But I think the people who take the plunge, some people it's a slow burn where they come to several previews over the course of years. They actually went to a preview with Sam before he passed away and they come back to one with us and then they come back again and then they sit on a mailing list and then they finally take it. For those people, it's, it's maybe this different sort of nagging feeling they, they keep having, uh, sort of similar to what Brooke was saying of trying to figure out how are they castable? How are they going to fit into this industry? I think the people who take the plunge quickly after only one preview tend to really resonate with that idea of not understanding how they fit into this industry and that difference between the internal perception of what they know to be true about themselves and that feeling that someone or the entire industry hasn't lined up with that, uh, those, those two ideas. And that, that concept sometimes I think resonates really um, deeply with, with people who come to the preview or learn about the workshop in some other way and go, yes, that's what I need. I, I couldn't put my finger on it, which is so much about what the workshop is, is these feelings that we have about each other and about ourselves that we just can't quite put our finger on it. And when it gets articulated with specificity, it suddenly uh, sort of slots us in and makes everything become clear. And I think for some people, the preview itself does that and makes people go, oh, I do need to know that about myself. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do see that it's a liability that if I sort of meander through this industry, never knowing what direction I should be going in and how I'll save time and sweat and tears and blood and money uh, by by getting clarity on that now. Mm-hmm. I love what you said with clarity because I feel like clarity and vocabulary were two of the things that were really helpful for Mike and I both to take the Sam Christensen workshop. 
Um, that and it led me to quit my job, which I was really <laughs> grateful for. Um, it does lead you to you do know, lots of things. It does. It does. But I don't know if you can kind of give us a little taste with how exactly does the workshop help you discover your unique self, especially for um, voice talent. And I already talked about this kind of in the intro, but you know, you guys do on-camera stuff. You also do voiceover. And I think that we haven't ever tested it research-wise to whether it is the exact same if it's, you know, a person's outward appearance versus their voice. But what we found in our classes it is that it's very similar. Um, so many people through our beginner intensive will say, um, like, we do have a night that is like, like a very surface level Sam Christensen of what their voice is and its vocabulary and clarity. And so many people are like, how do you know me? Mm-hmm. You know me. Oh yeah. my goodness. How do you know me that well? Um, so that was a, a long explanation for the question of, can you kind of share with us what takes place or the how of the Sam Christensen process, how that helps somebody discover that? No. Okay, great. It's, uh, it's unobtainable. It is still secret. Proprietary yeah. secret. Yes. <laughs> I would say that, first of all, human beings gain so much out of the Sam Christensen image process. Just humans. Um, we've had everything from computer engineers to realtors to travel agents take it, and it's changed their business model. However, I do believe that out of your out of your soul, when you are known and you are seen, there's a brightness, a lightness, a freedom. A, it, you're no longer restricted in trying to conform or dumb down or dull your light of trying to figure out what the other person wants. On the other side of the microphone, if they're wanting, you know, when you're at a session and they just want you and you're trying to be what you think that they want you to be, it's a really hard hill to climb. And the work that we do is very specific in gathering information, gathering words, gathering, um, I mean, it's from, gosh, I mean, when Sam started the process, it was really just about getting good headshots. But now these descriptive words actually unlock a piece of your humanity to where that shows up in your voice um, because you're going to allow yourself more freedom in the booth. You're not going to be such a, a stilted um, human trying to figure it out. You're going to be a human being living it out. And f- and for my left brain comrades out there who uh, maybe like me came from an engineering background or just love data, spreadsheets, that sort of thing. Um, in a very practical way, we we look at a lot of data throughout the workshop. We start with some stuff you bring in about yourself from your past uh, that hopefully is a fun journey into sort of how people have been describing you through your whole life. And we continue to gather more data about how you perceive yourself. And by data, I just mean, like Brooke said, vocabulary, words that you're actually writing down, you're documenting. And then we get a ton of data from your classmates, which we kind of say is the world around you. And in fact, Sam and Ken, uh, pre-9-11, would have students go out to airports and where, when you could go all the way out to the terminal without going through, without having a ticket and get tons of data from strangers, from people on the international terminal that don't, don't even speak English as the first language. And over time, what Sam realized was you didn't need a hundred data points in terms of 
other people giving you feedback, as little as 10. Uh, with only 10 other people uh, giving you feedback, it becomes a microcosm of the entire world and how they perceive you. And that data becomes so fascinating. And that journey we take you on to learn what to do with that data and how to reconcile it, make sense of it. And when you come out the other side, you walk away with just a highly specific vocabulary that is tailored to you, which sounds sort of simple. But, you know, when I ask somebody, uh, I mean, Heidi, you have a, not too many different spellings of Heidi. And Mike, there's not too many different ways of spelling Mike or Matt. But I'm sure both of us can attest to the fact that, especially if you're on set or in any sort of really social context, your name will get mixed up with other four-letter M names, Mike, Matt, and Mark. I've been called all of those things. And if my character name is Mike or Mark, forget, they, it. forget it. Yeah, on set, they, they just will stare at you and just... You. You, yeah, exactly. And, and so that example alone of what it feels like when someone isn't specific with us, when they don't remember our name and they either just avoid it uh, or when they say it wrong and it just kind of tears a little bit of your soul away. And on the flip side, when they do know your name, when they go out of their way to say your name, how it does sort of, it, it builds our soul back up a little. Um, so I think we don't always acknowledge the power of specificity when it comes to our language. And if you read the book 1984, in that book, the government was trying to dumb down society by eliminating words from our vocabulary. And we're doing it to ourselves, especially with uh, the advent of texting. Uh, LOL. Yep. And it's, and it's understandable. <laughs> you an want to be right now. Yeah. You, <laughs> you want to be understood in the shortest amount of words possible. So no one's using SAT words in their texting. You would be very pretentious <laughs> to use an SAT word. If you were texting words that big, the, the, the phone probably wouldn't even autofill it because it would just be like, why are you trying to say lugubrious? <laughs> you know, I don't even know what that means. Uh, and, but the point being that we then just sort of smooth out and dilute our language down to good, fine words that have very broad meanings uh, and we don't practice being specific. And so this workshop becomes a real interesting journey into that specificity not only challenging your own vocabulary, but then walking away with something that is so specific to you. I think you pretty much covered this and I have a follow-up question to it, but why do you think that it's important for everyone to understand this, actors and voiceover actors alike? Well, I think that we all want to crack the code. <laughs> and if there was a fast pass to someone else's brain and how they perceive you, this is the mm -hmm. journey to go on, that you do develop a sixth sense, so to speak, where um, you extend a lot more grace to other human beings because you start to see them as a, a, another human being with a life behind them. And they're not just walking around um, cutting you off in traffic, but those decision makers have a perception of what they're expecting you to be because they already perceive you in a way. And they just want you to show up like that. But if you come off and do something completely left field and it just confuses them, that's not a benefit to yourself nor the project because you want to serve the project and collaborate. But man, it's so intriguing when you get to that position and you know how they see you mm -hmm. and they, you know how they um, are expecting you to perform. And when that lines up, 
it's magic. And then they think that they've are so brilliant because they cast you. And you're like, <laughs> I'm just being myself. <laughs> right. Yeah. We talk about a lot about the concepts of charisma and authenticity and you can't be authentic. You can't be authentic by yourself. You have to have agreement. That's sort of the definition of the word itself is that I feel a certain way about me and you agree. And that is what makes you lean into someone, whether it's in a social situation, in a business situation, in a performance situation, that sense of they know something about themselves and they're owning it and I'm in agreement with it. Um, we've all been in that social situation where you meet someone for the first time who's a friend of a friend, and then after that they've left, you turn to your friend and say, do they know that they are fill in the blank? Do they realize it? And when that person does, when they, what we say, we say it this way, when they are publicly self-accepting of that quality about them, when they actually say it in some way, verbally, or they just acknowledge it in some way, it's that collective sigh of relief of, of like, oh, okay, they, okay, they, they know. Because once they do, then everyone is on the same page. But when you even sense that there's a disconnect, it just creates a chasm between you and, and if it's a social situation, there's really not much at stake. But in a business situation, for actors, it might be the audition or that meeting with a, a brand new agent or manager, the callback on set. But if there is that disconnect, then that could mean the entire job, um, getting it or not getting it, an interview, a first date. How awkward are first dates? Uh, thankfully, Mike and Heidi and Brooke and I don't have to worry about first dates ever again. <laughs> but, uh, but thinking back or eavesdropping or watching someone at a bar or a restaurant who is clearly on a first date and you can see it, you can see the disconnect and you can sort of predict, kind of going back to what you're saying, Heidi, you can have these predictions about other people that almost seem like you're doing some sort of magic. I would do that in my classes after having taken the workshop where I, I would look at a student and I would say, I bet that people assume this about you. And they would say, how did you know? He's the mentalist. I'm like, yeah, exactly. I'm like, yeah. all I'm doing is, is I'm, in, as a facilitator, I'm so in tune with that, with not brushing aside those, that information that is flooding all of our brains. But because we've been taught not to judge a book by its cover, not to be judgmental, which are all uh, great things, but it also means you're then you're you're squashing this this natural intuition we have as humans to connect with someone else, and and if we're avoiding it in our own brain, and then it, it just creates more of that disconnect. And like Brooke was saying, when you allow yourself to accept that about yourself and accept it about others, it um, it, it not to sound too kumbaya, but it does bring us closer mm -hmm. as humans. Can I just add one more thing? Because I was recently watching TV, <laughs> like you do, and um, there was, and I, I, this is so sad because I don't remember the ad, but I remember the voice, and I felt like, oh my goodness, I identify with that, which was it made Warby me Parker. It was, it was Warby Parker. Yeah, it, it was, was Mike Warby Stout. Parker. I actually called you. It was Mark, the other day. Mark Stout. You were on my voice. Mark Stout. Um, but there's something about when you are just you, you can br you can bring the product even more um, specificity, but also more clients because you have other people out there that are like, oh my gosh, that's me. Mm -hmm. I identify with that. Well, it's it's all about nuance then, yes. isn't it? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think uh, from taking the workshop years ago, you know, a lot of people, I've done plenty of counseling on my own, 
But a lot of people I know come out of the workshop and they're like, oh my gosh, it was like a counseling mm-hmm. session. Have you been in a counseling session? No, but it was like one. <laughs> you know, they just get to yeah. know their authentic. And it's just, it's, it's so, it feels so good that, like you were talking about, that they feel seen, that they can kind of relax into that. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's, it, you know, especially as actors and as voice actors, the farther up and the better roles that you get, it's all about the nuance. Mm-hmm. It's all about the, the point of view. And if you understand that about yourself and what you automatically are bringing to the table, either through your looks or your voice, you don't have to try. Mm-mm. You just have to have it and it just kind of clicks. And then it's like, oh my gosh, that was such a good scene. You, how did you, you know, well, it was years of acting and <laughs> it's training. It's easy. It becomes easy. Yeah. And I don't understand this. You know, an artist's life is hard, period, because there's such you that you're trying to present to the world and you get rejection after rejection after rejection. But it does not have to be hard. When you understand the tools that you're bringing to the table and you lean into them and you are unashamed and unabashedly yourself, it is refreshing. And there's something very freeing about that too, where you can just walk away from an audition and for, like be like, wow, I just, I gave them a dose of me. I'm, I'm completely satisfied. If I book it, I book it. If I don't, they know who I am. Mm-hmm. And yeah. that's really what it's all about. Cause then they'll call me in for the thing later that might even be written because they heard mm-hmm. my voice or they saw a performance and they just say, this is what, okay, this is yours. Yeah. That's so good. Um, okay. So you guys have a free preview coming up mm-hmm. this month in January. Mm-hmm. Um, Tell us a little bit about that, and we'll put a link in the show notes of oh, how thanks. people can sign up. Um, but I'd love to know about that. And then also what all, like, the, the workshop is more than just one day. So can you kind of let us in on what people can expect if they take the workshop? Yeah. Sure. Do you want to cover the preview? Sure. Um, at the preview, uh, I do the bulk of the talking because <laughs> uh, I tend to enjoy that, that side of things. But uh, w- what we do is we first give a little bit of a history of Sam, because even when Sam was alive and he would do the previews, he would spend about 45 minutes giving his life story, which I remember in 2011 being at that preview going, I don't know why he's spending so much time talking about himself, but I'm totally in. Like I'm so <laughs> riveted by, he had such an interesting journey uh, from, from college where he was started out directing Shakespeare to New York, where he was... Uh, doing casting for Broadway shows to then out to LA to get into TV casting. And spoiler alert, he was the cast director for Matt for starting in season two. And so, you know, he just went from corner to corner of the industry. And so we kind of cover that journey. And it's important from the standpoint of not only giving a little bit of credibility to who Sam was, but also to understanding why he became so interested in this work. So it becomes this nice story and we are very interested in story even if you're not an actor because uh, it's our contention that we're all telling stories you can't be on a podcast if you don't know how to tell a story uh you can't talk about your trip to italy i use that example that girls trip to italy you can't talk about that trip to italy unless you can tell a story because if you just list facts it's boring right um and so we we use story to kind of set the stage for who Sam was and what led him to be so curious about the this this issue that specifically actors had that then became you know more broadly acceptable or available to all humans but this idea of 
you know, why is it that actors don't, who should presumably be the most self-aware people on earth, because you have to be on screen or on stage and be exposed and be emotionally naked and, and you know, your humanity is on display. How is this profession seemingly the, the one profession that doesn't understand themselves, doesn't understand how they're perceived? So we, we kind of build that story of how Sam got to that point, and then we segue into getting into the nitty-gritty of what is the actual four-day process, and then the, the type of benefits, the results you'll get, how, to, you know, how we will give you counsel on how to use those in your career. So we kind of walk you through that whole thing, and then we leave, always leave time for a Q&A uh, to make sure that things that we forgot to talk about or any other logistics or or specific questions that might, somebody might have. Because if we do have like a non-actor or someone who's VO instead of actor, and they maybe are sort of thinking that all the language seems to be centered around acting. We try to make it broad. Well, isn't voiceover acting? Yeah. yeah. But the mm -hmm. point being that people might be there from different professions who just have questions tailored specifically mm -hmm. to their profession. So we leave time, plenty of time for Q&A um, as part of that. And the four-day, we do the four-day intensive. Um, which is a Friday through a Monday, Friday being the longest day where um, we do more of the, in the first part of the workshop, there's more of the, this is who I believe myself to be. And then the second half of that day is gathering data from your classmates. There's homework that night to try to kind of synthesize and bring that work together into one place. And then we follow up on Saturday with a little bit more of that gathering more information. And then we do a private consultation. One a day you'll be with Matt. One day you'll be with myself. This is Brooke. And, <laughs> um, and uh, then you come back on Sunday. And Sundays uh, is such an, uh, that's my favorite day of the workshop, actually. And I'm usually off doing other work, but it's such a powerful message of why we are called to a high calling as storytellers. Because if we aren't in play, then other people will feel alone and scared. And our job is to bring the world together. I might get emotional because it is so powerful. And I think sometimes we lose that huge um, calling on our lives. We, we feel like it's, it's, it's not worth anything and it's, it's so powerful. And then um, you have another consultation with either Matt or myself. This is Brooke. And then you go into the day four, which is really the unveiling of who you are in front of your classmates. It's the first time where you have specific words, the specificity to be publicly verbally yourself. And we go through an exercise that Sam um, kind of uh, came up with when he was casting Clash of the Titans. It's such a fascinating story, and I love it. And then the rest of the time, we do practical applications of the information that you now have. All of the data is now making sense. Um, I love how Matt brings about the, the aspects of the second day. Because we're both actors, we, um, when Sam was doing the workshop, he would really talk about logistics, headshots, websites, um, you know, the, the marketing materials that we need and our outfits and hair and all of that stuff. But we, being actors ourselves, we're like, we know how to use this in our own preparation. Mm -hmm. And I, I know that it would work for any art form where you're just reminding yourself of who you are before you go into mm -hmm. the work. 
And so many times we're thinking about the lines before we go into the work as opposed to who we are. And so Matt brilliantly came up with the idea to bring in acting, acting exercises or that kind of elevator pitch exercise because we all need an elevator pitch when we mm-hmm. are with that special person. Yeah, on the first elevator. date. Yeah, oh. on the first yeah. date. Yep. Tell me about yourself. Tell me about yourself. Yeah. Well, and, and in all seriousness, that uh, especially actors nowadays here in the southeastern market, we're being asked more and more by more and more casting directors to, in addition to your mm-hmm. performance, also include a twenty-second story about yourself. And it makes me giggle how much consternation, frustration, how much hatred actors have for that. Um, e- either because it, it's probably rooted in some frustration that we address, which is what do you want me to say about mm-hmm. myself? Like, uh, they think it's a game of like, I got to figure out the right thing to say, the right story to tell. And any cast director who's asking that is, there is no game, there is no goal here. It is literally them tricking you into being yourself. Yeah. And because you, you're, because there's no script now, no matter what you do, if you're the type that wants to rehearse a perfect 30-second story that you've timed, which I've seen it happen, then that shows them a lot about who you are. Like, oh, they're they're a little uptight. They're a little anal retentive. They're a little stiff because that didn't feel like a natural presentation of themselves. And if it is them, then that actually is maybe even more information. And that could be exactly what the role needs. Yeah. And the person who just thinks this is a stupid exercise and throws it away with one, one sentence, uh, that still gives me so much information about who that person is and it's the content is almost irrelevant. Um, and so many actors freak out about that. Or on that first date, you know, the dreaded, tell me about yourself. Well, do I start with where I was born? How many siblings I have? Like, oh, that's boring. No one's going to remember that on the second date. Oh, so you, you didn't you say you had, you know, you were born in, like, no one cares. <laughs> um, that's not the thing that's memorable. Um, it's more about how you said it. That's the thing that they're remembering. They're remembering that you never made eye contact anywhere during that first date. You seemed really nervous. Your hands were under the table the whole time. Like that is, they're trying to get you to talk about yourself so that they can start to unlock the mystery of who you are. And, and, so, and so one of the things like Brooke was saying that we, we do is we walk you through answers to that, actual ways of now presenting yourself publicly, verbally, uh, so that in a 20-second elevator pitch, you could leave a lasting impression and gosh, wouldn't we all want that to be able, in that high stakes situation, the, the joke with actors is Spielberg is on the elevator with you and says, hey, how's it going? Tell me something about yourself. And if you were literally in that situation and insert for Spielberg, anybody for you that would be that dream person to work with who has the job to hire you, like what would you say with only 20 seconds to leave a lasting impression? And that's one of the things we give people is that ability to, to do that. One of the things we didn't mention is that Matt and Brooke are also fantastic improv actors. Uh-huh. Uh, and Matt was my teacher for the longest time. Brooke filled in when mm-hmm. he couldn't. I think maybe he just gave him the boot and he's like, yep. you know, I'm, like, like, I'm, I'm teaching tonight. That's right. <laughs> uh, but understanding yourself, especially when I was in the class, it helped just bring yourself, even if in those different characters and those suggestions and whatnot, and your mind can just springboard to things so much more quick, mm-hmm. quickly. Uh, and even on the voiceover side, it's the same thing. I'm easily able to just put myself in these different circumstances and think of, oh, I would say this in this situation. 
or think of other creative stuff, but it's just, it's one more thing. It, I think life just kind of springboards from that, as you were saying, when you're authentically yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of times on the very first day, there was that question of, so what am I going to get out of this at the end? <laughs> <laughs> and my answer is always freedom. And I love, you know, where we are so controlled by this industry, we feel that we are under the thumb of decision makers, and there's no way for us to actually be, you know, free and to be able to allow our creative light to shine. And this definitely kind of takes the lid off. Yeah. It also really helped our marriage, too. Yeah. I know. (laughs) I mean, it really did. Um, So there's lots of benefits for everyone. We will put the links below. Mike and I just cannot recommend the Sam Christensen workshop enough, and especially you guys. Um, and it's offered virtually and in person. So it, whether if you're not in Atlanta, it's okay. You can still attend virtually. And we've seen it to where it works just as well. You don't have to be in person. The, the results are still so impactful. Um, so thank you guys so much for being on the podcast. Well, and again, we will link all the links below, even to get taped to their website. If you want to take other classes that they offer, or if you're in Atlanta and need a taping space, then we highly recommend them. So thanks, guys. Well, thank yeah. you. Thank you for having us. Thanks.